I do want to talk to you about three simple little things this morning, and it won't be very long. The wonder of it all, the wonder of his plan, the wonder of his purpose, and awakening to what our posture ought to be in this season, in this time. Um, can you think about this as far as like we saw this funny little video from these children, but what's your story? What, what's your thoughts about, about how the whole thing unfolded? Because we only get a little bit of a glimpse of what happened. It's only recorded in the book of Matthew, and it's recorded in the book of Luke. Uh, the book of um, Mark starts off with Jesus as an adult, and, and, and John as, as well does not cover the Christmas story. But can you imagine what, what might have been going through the thoughts of, the, of these people during this time? And especially Mary and Joseph, and an angel appears to him, and Gabriel, and he comes and he tells them what's to come and what's going to happen, and you're going to give birth to the Savior. He's going to be in the line of David. And I mean, can you imagine the magnitude and, and what that would feel like, and what you must be thinking? Wow, man, how how things are going to how things are going to unfold, and man, this is the fulfillment, the long awaiting that's been the world's been waiting and groaning for this time. To, come. And we say that funny little phrase, that donkey's fast, but sometimes in our lives it doesn't feel like it's going very fast, right? We've been waiting and we've been expecting something and and things just aren't unfolding the way that we would think. Well, think about it from their perspective. She's been told by an angel. How many of you guys have ever had an angel show up and just talk to you? I've never had that. An angel appears and tells Mary the way it's going to be. And then, as we kind of fast forward a little bit, the next thing they know, they're having to travel roughly 100 miles. And we don't know for sure if she rode on a, on a donkey or a golf cart or what it was. We don't know how she got there. They might have walked. But she was in, in, in a time of pregnancy, later in her pregnancy. And can you imagine what that must be like? And, and you, those of you ladies that have been pregnant and the latter months and you're uncomfortable and now they're they're going on this trip and it's, it's probably taking several days to get there and then the, to find themselves with nowhere to stay but a, some sort of probably like a cave-like structure a, a manger and, and is this unfolding the way that you thought it would with an angel having told you what's to come that you've got a king inside of you is that the way that you would write that story? Is that the way it would unfold? I don't think so. I think we would probably think if it happened in our area, the angel would appear and next thing you know, all of the governmental people would be told about it and we'd be ready and we'd be waiting. All the way to the capital, the United States, word would get out. And we'd be excited and we'd be waiting. But that's not the way it came about. It came about very humbly, very humbly, very humbly. I want to talk to you about just three little simple things again. The wonder of this plan, the way we might imagine it, the way we might contemplate it to be. I want to talk to you just a little bit about the historical time frame that this took place in. This is what Romans chapter 5, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 says. Let's look at what this says. If we could put that up. Romans chapter 5. Or I can just read it. I'll read it. You see at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. What I want to emphasize is that as all of the world had been waiting, 
creation literally groaning for this time, this culmination to take place. Romans chapter says that it was at just the right time, at just the right time. And that's the good news for you today where you're sitting at. You may be confused and wondering what in the world is going on. There's a time and there's a season at just the right time. The Lord's not left you. He's not forsaken you. Those things that you've been hoping for and praying for, keep your hope in Jesus Christ and rest on his promises because he will, he will bring it to pass. Amen. And that's the thing. The wonder of this plan doesn't always follow the way that we think it's going to play out. It's not always that way. It's usually different. It's just the way God is. He's so amazing and creative. And so the, the time had come. It was just the right time. Well, what kind of time was it in the world? Here's an interesting, some interesting historical facts. If we could put the first, first picture up. Anybody know who this is? This is a person that was around and around 350 BC or so. Anybody recognize him? I couldn't find an actual photograph of him. For some reason, it wasn't on the internet. Get it? All we have is a statue. It's not Julius Caesar. This is Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. Now, let me tell you about Alexander the Great. Okay. Alexander the Great existed during this period of time called the Silent Years. It was a 400-year period of time that there was, there was silence. All of the things that had been going on through creation from the time of the beginning had led up to this period of time called the Silent Years. It's 400 years of silence. And then all of a sudden, bursting into the scene is this man, Alexander the Great, a great warrior, a great conqueror, intelligent military mind. And for about a 12-year period of time, this man, Alexander the Great, began to conquer much of the territory in the region that was considered to be called, known as the, the all of the world. I mean, when the Bible talks about all of the world, it was particularly talking about a particular region of that area. And I'll put a picture up in a minute of that. But for 12 years, he conquered and he, he conquered and he went over here and he did battle over here. And he went over there and he did battle and he can continue to conquer and, and battle and conquer. And it just, his territory, the territory of the Greeks just continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. And an amazing thing happened because with him being a Greek, the language of, of, of the Greeks began to become widely known among the people and, and people all around this vast area could speak Greek over this period of time. In fact, I think it was around 280 BC, somewhere in there, the Hebrew uh, law, the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek. And so now the people, even the, all of the Greek people, uh, Greek speaking people could read in their own language, the Hebrew scriptures. Now this is an amazing fact for this reason. Not since a time prior to the Tower of Babel had there been such a unified form of communication and language. Now, do you see how, how the timing is playing out? You see how God is putting this all together? The people all, for the most part, speak Greek. And things are continuing to move along. And then around 63 B.C. is when... The Roman Empire, that uh, Alexander the Great had kept conquering territory all around that region, all around that area, got too close to Rome, and then Rome rises up. They defeat uh, 
Alexander the Great, and now the Roman Empire's in force. And all of these people, this whole region included the people of Israel, God's chosen people, the Hebrew people are all in this area. They're all scattered around through this area. And Rome takes over. And you've seen that depicted in the Passion of the Christ and various other stories, how Rome ruled with an iron fist. They ruled and they governed. And there is Israel. There's a, there's a discussion that's been referred to. I think Pastor Bowen's even referred to it before when Jesus is talking to some people, some religious leaders. And they say, we've never been in bondage. What? He said, we'd never been in bondage before. The, the, the Hebrew people had been in bondage over and over and over again. And here they are now still finding themselves in the rulership or under the rulership of the Roman Empire. But here's an interesting fact. It came to be known as a time of peace as well. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Because during this time of Roman rule, for roughly 200 years, two centuries. Everybody say two centuries. Two centuries. There was roughly considerable peace. And that became known, if we could put the next slide up, that became known as a term called the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana, and I don't know if you can see, I'll kind of try to move out of the way a little bit, but that whole region that's kind of shaded a little bit, that was the Roman Empire all around through that whole area, all up to, all up, all the way over into Israel and all the way down around. And I mean, just a huge area, the Pax Romana, you can take that down in there. So there was relative peace. And it was during that time that Jesus was born during this time. And so you can see how that God's plan was, was unfolding. But another interesting fact about the, uh, the, the climate and the, and the culture was that here's the chosen people of God, and yet they're still under occupation. They're still being ruled by someone else. And I'd like to, I'd like to point something out uh, in, in the scripture. If we could put up, I'm going to ask you guys if you could put up, um, let's start with Luke. I'm sorry, let me take that back. Let's start with Matthew. If we could put up the first part of Matthew chapter one and bear with me and bear with them. Cause I'm skipping around a little bit. Look what Matthew chapter one says. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac, the father of Jacob and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. So we see this genealogy, genealogy is starting with the genealogy of Jesus starts off. And then if we could put verse, I think it's 17 up at that last verse, I'm not, I'm not going to read all the names and all the way down to verse 16. You can read all of those names in, in the genealogy for yourself. And then Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary and Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. And then verse 17, verse 17, it goes on to say, there were 14 generations in all. Okay, now check this out. 14 generations in all. 14 generations from Abraham to David. Okay. And then 14 from David to the exile to Babylon. And then 14 generations from the exile to the Messiah. 
Now that's a, that's a that's a beautiful thing because of the way God orchestrates things and the timing of things. Fourteen generations. Has anybody any of you guys ever done one of those um, ancestry ancestry? What is that called? How many of you guys raise your hands up real high? If anybody done that? Wow, that's a pretty good number of people. Ancestry.com. My my wife, she's been asking for one of those for for quite a while, and she finally got got that for her birthday and we're, we're waiting to get the results back and she's she's like hoping that that you know she's got some uh, british in her you know for some reason i'm not sure why she she likes all things british so she's kind of hoping for that but but genealogies and 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 the lineage of people was very very important and it's very precisely and specifically noted. And I don't have the time to go into it, but what's beautiful about it is that there's some, there's some women that are involved in that that are Gentiles. And, and it's like, you know, the genealogy of Jesus is just so unique in the, in the way that it came about to the Messiah. Now, I'd like to also look at the genealogy as, as recorded in the book of Luke. So if we could put up uh, Luke chapter 3. Can we get that up there? Luke chapter 3. Now look at how Luke deals with it. This is how the genealogy of, of Jesus is described in Luke. Now, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old. Do you see anything different about this genealogy? The, Matthew starts from the beginning. Starts from the beginning and works its way up. 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations. But Luke starts at verse 23 and says, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old. And then at the end of that passage of scripture, as we read through all the, all of the names, the, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Malahalel, is that right? It's pretty close, wasn't it? The son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now, do you see the contrast? You see the contrast? Here's, here's the point I want to make about that. What God intended in the beginning was for there to be a relationship between God himself and us in, in covenant relationship to be his own people, to walk with him, to know him, for him to love us and, and for us to love him back. And he has loved us, but we've not always loved him back. And so what we see take place is that in the beginning, as is described from Matthew, it kind of makes the shape of an inn. As the genealogy is described in that, it starts off with the promise of Abraham and it kind of goes up to the point of David. Things are going, tracking along pretty good. And then after that, things kind of start to fall back down again because people are disobedient. And it's ebbed and flowed all through creation. But then it starts to come back down again until the time of after warning and warning and warning by the prophets that had been sent. Prophets had been sent. Prophets had been sent. Hello, everybody. Let's turn back to God. He's, he's, he, he loves us. He's the one. If we'll, if we'll obey his decrees and his commands, things will go well for us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. But they wouldn't listen. And so it, it tracks back down again all the way to exile. Sin away. Under the, under the captivity and rule of someone else. But guess what? Another 14 generations and it starts to go back up again. Good news is on the way. Good news is on the way. Good news is on the way. As Matthew continues to say, he'll be in the lineage of David and his kingdom shall never come to an end. 
We get to be part of a people who will never end because we can participate in everlasting life. Whereas Luke starts and goes back the other way. So here's just a quick little point about that. Where Adam and the original story and the original creation was to have fellowship and relationship, but Adam was given responsibility and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't protect and he didn't guard and he didn't take his authority that he had been given to God in order to oversee the, the, the domain and the place that he'd be given. The beautiful place of relationship. Can you imagine the glory of the garden and God coming down and walking and just hanging out with you and fellowship and relationship. And he didn't protect it. He didn't guard it. And so it was lost. It was lost. And then Jesus from heaven with the ravages of sin upon mankind what was lost. You know, Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. What Adam didn't do, Jesus took care of business. He came from the glories of heaven and he came upon this earth. He took on flesh so that he could be among us. That's just a little snippet of the plan. A little snippet of the plan. Now let's move to the the wonder of the purpose. For the son of man has come to seek and to save That which is lost, I'm sorry I didn't refer to that. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, if we could put that up. This is connected to what I just talked about in the lineage and Matthew going uh, up and the lineage of of, uh, Luke coming the other way. Look what it says in Luke 19. For the son of man has come to seek and to save. What does it say? That which was lost. That relationship and everything in the covenant that was afforded to mankind, God's original design. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything the Father had intended for you and for me to have in wonderful, loving relationship with him. Jesus came to get it back. Jesus came to get it back. And let me tell you, he came as a mighty warrior. Where Adam shrieked back from his responsibility, Jesus came on the scene as a mighty warrior. And when he returns in the last day, he's going to come in all of the glory of his splendor for a people who's put their trust and their faith and their hope in one name. One name. The name of Jesus Christ. No, there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. It's only through the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you today, ladies and gentlemen, all throughout this room, let it be known that there is no other way. There is no other. I know some people don't, I can already kind of feel that, you know, we, we don't, we get a little bit uncomfortable, but Jesus Christ is the only way to the father only way to the father. And that's how much God loved us. Even though we turned our backs on him, he never turned his backs on us. It may have seemed like, it may have seemed like such a long time. I tried to find a little video clip and I couldn't find how many of you guys have seen the Narnia movie. What's it called? The lion, the witch in the closet. The the what? Oh, the wardrobe. Okay. I thought it was a, a, a buffet or something, but you've seen that movie, right? 
there's a phrase in there, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of movies, but there's a comment. How many of you guys have seen that? A lot of y'all? Okay. I don't know if you remember this comment or not. There's a comment that's made that it's always winter, but it's, anybody know the rest of it? Never Christmas. It's always winter, but it's never Christmas. And that's what the world must have felt like. Waiting, waiting for the Savior, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the promise. When's he going to come? 14 generations, 14 generations. When's he going to come? When's the Messiah going to come? And he came. And he came to seek and save that which is lost in your lives today. You may feel like it's winter and it's never going to be Christmas. And I know I look around this room and I was looking around this room this morning in the first service and I, was, I would see people like, man, they have been through it. Wow, man, well, how are they even here? I know some of you guys have been through tremendous difficulty and loss. And for, for some of us, for some of you, this is a difficult time. But we have a Savior that loves us and he cares for us. And I need to move on. So let's make it clear. The wonder of his purpose was that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. I think we've made that clear. The wonder of his purpose. Let me tell you about a, a little quick story about a, a gentleman by the name of Father Damien. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Father Damien? Can we put a picture, picture up of Father Damien? This guy is named Father Damien. And he was born in 1840 and he lived to 1889. And in 1873, this man right here, Father Damien, found out about a particular region and where he lived at. He's from Belgium. He found out about a particular area region where there was a colony of lepers. You know what leprosy is? It's a terrible disease that ravages the body. He found out about this particular uh, colony where it was literally like an island where people were sent away to just waste, literally waste away and die. And Father Damien decided out of a heart of compassion to go there and try to help those people. And for 16 years, 16 years, Father Damien went and stayed and lived among those people. He helped them. He built dwelling places for them to have somewhere to stay. That he, he, made, he made coffins so that when people passed away and their bodies ravaged, that they could be buried in some sort of decency. He stayed with the people. He lived among them. He had care and compassion for them for 16 years. Eventually, that place became known as not just a place to die, it became known as a place to live. I mean, people with this terrible condition that was shunned by all society and had to be to, to, to a great extent, became, that became known as a place to live, to live out your life, to have some semblance of life. And that was because of Father Damien. But let's look at the next picture of Father Damien. 16 years later, 16 years later, because he gave of his life. He gave of himself. When one day he was preparing something on a stove and it had hot boiling scalding water in it and the water poured on him and he didn't feel it. And he realized something's wrong. And this is the way Father Damien began his sermons after that. We lepers, 
Jesus took on flesh and came to live among us. Jesus took on flesh. He came into this world where that we live. Let that sink in for a moment. Because Jesus, let me make it clear. This little baby was fully God. He always was. And he who always was, was born into humankind. He came into humankind, fully God, and took on flesh. If you don't believe me, read the words of Jesus himself. When he said, I am the bread that came down, the manna, he always was. I have come down. I have come down. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Since we, the people, have flesh and blood, he he took on flesh and shared in our humanity. And John 1 and 14, I've already referred to it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Made his dwelling among us. And then my last point, I'll wrap it up with this. Let us be awakened to the posture of, of what our posture should be in light of the weightiness of what Jesus did in our despair and, 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 our, and all that we, the, what had been lost, Jesus came to get it back for us. But we got to realize something. There's somebody that wants to rule over your life. It's the devil. It's this culture out there. And the scripture says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In essence, he's, he's saying that he came to destroy his rule and control. So what should the posture of our lives be in light of this great and glorious truth? There's a, there's a, there's a comment in the, one of the epistles that Peter wrote who's describing this glorious mystery of salvation. And, and he said that even angels long to look into these things. Even angels are like, they're, they're, they're like, wow, the love of God. And they see his creation of, of us, his people on the earth. And he sees what, they see what great links that the father went to to restore us back to him. And it says that even angels want to look into that. I'm talking about a glorious gospel. Good news. The glorious gospel of good news. I'd just like to point your attention lastly before we close to Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 11, I think we have that. Matthew chapter 2. And this is this regarding our posture. Look at, look at this scripture. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Interesting that they use the term King of the Jews because that very same term would be used at the top of the cross later when Jesus gave his life. But I want to talk just a little bit about the Magi. Does anybody else know of any other, if you're really, really, really good at Bible trivia, anybody over here, back there, or over here on this side, anybody know who else is associated in biblical history with Magi? Any, any biblical well-known character come to mind? 
I, I think I heard somebody say it. Daniel. Yes, if you go back and you read uh, Daniel chapter 9, you remember Daniel was brought into the king's service, right? And Daniel was actually the head person over these people. You didn't know that probably. Daniel was, was, was the chief over these people during the time that he served and was sent there. All part of God's mysterious, glorious plan. All part of, of the glorious plan. So the Magi came. The Magi came. And I want to jump down to that same chapter, Matthew 2. I want to ver- jump down to, I believe it's verse 8. Can we do that? Or 7, that's fine. The, the hair, uh, can we go to verse 8 or 9? Matthew chapter 2. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and, and, the, and uh, went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And then it goes on to say, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they, what, what was their posture? They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And if you don't mind, leave that up there for just a moment because I just noticed something that I want to I come back to. At uh, one point, you probably know this from history, by the time that the Magi had come, they, they prepared. They prepared to meet the Savior. They prepared. There's, there's an application there. Sometimes we need to... When we, when, we, when we come to gather together as brothers and sisters, and that's, that's one of the beautiful things about this church that we point out so often is the diversity that we have represented here. When we all come together representing the kingdom of God all under the, the name of Jesus Christ, there, there ought to be some sort of little bit of preparation for that. But these guys had prepared, and they came, and it probably took them two or three years. So when they came, and notice it says that they came to the house. And on coming to the house, it's no, no longer the, the shepherds. That's already passed. A couple years have gone by, two, three years, and now they've come to the house and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures. They brought treasures. They brought things that were valuable to them, things that had to be gathered together. Now look at what they were. And and some of y'all may know this already, but I want to go back over it. They brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Talking about the plan, talking about the timing, talking about the purpose. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's, here's, here's an application, and here's why. Gold was, was, um, was for kings, retained only for kings. Gold wasn't given for even nobility, not even people of, of great nobility. Gold was reserved only for kings, and they brought him gold. To say, they bowed down, and they said, they're saying, you're a king, when they offered the gold. And then we move on to the frankincense. Frankincense was, is representative of, of the high priest in the temple and the worship. Frankincense, Jesus, our high priest, the one who takes away the sins of the world forever. Our high priest, king, high priest, and then myrrh. Myrrh is what was used in, in the burial process. Do you see how everything fits so wonderfully and beautifully together. It's not, it didn't just kind of happen. It was all planned out in God's timing and his purpose. And the same thing is available to your life. 
The same thing is available to you. God has a plan. He's already made a way for you to be redeemed. I was talking with a, with a brother this morning. He was talking about uh, sharing with someone and how they, they, they were talking about how they're trying to do better and they're wanting to live right and they're wanting to do right. And it's all me and my efforts and my, I got to be a better person and all of that. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ died and he's a free gift. I'm perplexed by that. When we talk, to, why wouldn't anybody want to receive a free gift like that? You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's a gift. It's it, and you 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 receive it by faith. And it's almost like this this humble bondage that we keep walking in. Oh, it looks it looks humble because oh, I know I need to do better. I know I I got to do more. I know I need to be a better person, and so I can I, I can get to heaven. No, no, no. Receive the gift of God. Free, receive the free gift of God. I'm talking about the greatest gift exchange that's ever taken place. Those of you that have had small have. Small children had small children. When my kids were little, I remember, you know, seeing them. Man, they'd run over to the Christmas tree, and man, you can't wait. They've been asking, you know, they've been petitioning and wanting something, right? And, you know, whatever. They run over there and they get that gift and they open it up, and it's, they can't wait to see what it is. And oh, it's it's everything I'd ever hoped for. Now my life's going to be changed forever, right? I'm never going to be the same again. I got that Lego whatever thing it is. I don't even, I don't even know what the latest cool thing is for kids. So I'm, I'm probably dating myself terribly bad here. But it's, it, isn't, that, isn't that kind of the way we are? We saw the funny video of uh, Christmas according to kids. But aren't we like that? Oh, I just want to run over there. If I could just get this. If I could just, oh, if I could just have that. If I could just get that job. If I could just get married. If I could just, oh, if I, just, if I could just open that up and I had it right now, then everything in my life would be good. And oh, man, I'd be fine. Thank you, God. Now I'm happy. Where's the emphasis at on me? On me. But let me try to, let me try to explain this. Do you realize that even though the people in Rome were, that was supposedly a time of peace, that they were literally and still in bondage under Roman authority? That's the way the culture wants to keep you, this tension in your life, this tension in your life that we're still trying somehow to accomplish or get or be or, or have whatever that is for you, that tension Rather than coming and bowing down and surrendering and saying, no, Lord, you be the Lord of it all. You be the Lord of it all. Because I'll tell you something. There's something miraculous about surrender. I don't know how to explain it. But when you come to a place, when you recognize that Jesus Christ is the free gift for salvation sent. He's slain from the foundation, foundations of the world, that he's the free gift. And if we're willing to come and not, not think of Jesus as some sort of ideal or idea out there, that's like, oh, yes, I, yeah, I know he, but to kneel, bow down and say, Lord, you paid it all. Salvation is summed up only in you and you alone. You're the free gift. But now I'm going to surrender my life to you. And I'm going to let you begin to create in me as a, make me a new creation. This is what the Bible says. You'll be a new creation and you'll have abundant life. 
But not abundant life your way. It's abundant life the way that Jesus will, will be inside of you if you'll let him take up lordship. Let him take up lordship. So my last appeal to you this morning is this. No matter what background you come from, no matter what the circumstances are in your life, let, let our lives, if we could let our lives be the Bethlehem where Jesus was born, accept the person, the free gift. Think about it. Jesus was born to die, and then he died so we could live. He was born to die, and then he died so we could live. What an amazing gift exchange. I hope you think about that when you open gifts. What an amazing gift exchange that Jesus did that for us. And if we could take it upon ourselves to think, wow, I can let my life be the Bethlehem for Jesus, for his life to be born inside of me. And then I start becoming a new creation. And all of a sudden my perspective is different. And those things I thought I wanted don't really matter anymore. I'm okay with waiting. I'm okay with God's timing. I'm okay with God's plan. It's different than what I thought, but I'm going to have relationship with, with Jesus. Now I'm going to have relationship with the Father. I, I can commune and I can surrender my life. I'm telling you, everything changes when that happens. So that's the challenge to every one of you this morning today. If you've not surrendered, not an idea about Jesus, but you've not accepted the fact that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. He's a living way. He's a living way. If you'll give your life to him and surrender, you'll never be the same again. Never be the same again. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. I want us to pray and I'm I'm making an appeal. From my left to the right, from the front to the back, I'm making a, an appeal today to those of you this morning that have that you're not absolutely 100% sure. Yes, Steve, I get that. I understand that that exchange. I understand what it means about salvation. I get it. If if you don't, if you're not absolutely sure, I want us to take a minute. If we could, let's just bow our heads. And I'm not, I promise I'm not going to ask anybody to come up front or anything like that. And we're going to pray together in a minute. I just want you to, 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 to just do this. If, if you're not absolutely 100% sure that Jesus is your Savior and that you have fully put your trust in him, not in you being a better person, let me, let me make that clear. You are never, ever going to make it by trying to be a good person. You've got to, by faith, receive the gift of Jesus Christ through faith. Period. Never going to happen. And if you've not done that today, and if you're one of those people, I talk to people from time to time, oh, you know, I'm getting things be- I'm getting things in my life worked out. I'm going to come to church someday. Really? It's not about that. It's the free gift of salvation by faith. We get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of a free, amazing gift by faith, by believing upon Jesus. So here's all I'm asking you to do. Don't be ashamed to do it either. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, if you can't say, I absolutely 100% know that I'm a Christian and that I'm a part of this lineage that was talked about, this ancestry of Jesus that was talked about in Matthew, that his kingdom's never going to end. And I'm going to go from this realm right into the next. If you're not absolutely sure, I just want you right now to stick your hand up in the air. 
Thank you so much. Stick, yeah, put your hands, just stick your hand up in the air if you're just not for sure. Okay. And I promise, again, those of you that are doing that, I'm not going to ask you to come up front, but I want us to pray this sincere prayer together. Let's just all say this together. Lord Jesus, I believe by faith that you are salvation and that my salvation is through your shed blood. And I put my faith in you and you alone, not my good works, but in you alone. And Lord, I accept new life and I declare I'm a new creation by faith in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise today? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Come on, for sure, for real. This is a little different than we normally do it in church, you know, and and it's it's just just, just different. But here's the thing. I've I've probably told you before, I've I've had a couple of times to share. I gave my life and my heart to the Lord sitting on the couch in my parents' living room, watching television. I was on the right side of the couch. I was eating a peanut butter sandwich and I'm drinking a glass of chocolate milk. How about that? Now, does that sound, you know, I know, I know that, but I'm telling you, but here's how I, here's how I know I did. It's a thing of the heart. It's a thing of the heart. So those, those of you that raise your hands, it's a thing of the heart. Now start walking in it. Start walking in the new and living way. And I'm telling you what, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because there's a, sound like T.D. Jakes a little bit there for a second. Get ready because seriously, there's a brand new path that you're going to walk. God has a great adventure in store for you. A great adventure in store for you if you're walking his ways. Amen.